Thanks so much for joining us on our Summit Church podcast. If you are new here, we want to help connect you with God and all that He has in store for you. We hope that this inspires you, strengthens your faith, and gives you hope to live your best days now. Enjoy the message. We've been going through Proverbs, just taking a few of them. Been kind of fun, and I love to hear people talk about them. We call it Wisdom from the Book of Proverbs. And we looked at uh, generosity, uh, the proverb that says, the generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Then we looked at how to grow in resilience, the ability to snap back after circumstances has collapsed you in some way, the ability to come back, to be resilient, to bend but not break. And we looked at that scripture that says, though the righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. He shall arise. And we, last week, we did the proverb on the wise man. The wise man, the diligent man, uh, sees danger coming and takes action. He has foresight. But the simple man just prods on into destruction. So we talked about all those different categories of proverbs. So today we're going to talk about how small is your strength? How small is your strength? Proverbs 24, verse 10. If you faint in time of trouble, how small is your strength? See, if you give up, if you lose heart, if you give in in a hard time, how small is your strength? A couple of thoughts. Everybody will at times falter. There's not a person here or watching online who has not felt at some time the thought of giving up. Nobody is exempt from the challenges in life. I know we like to think some people don't, but it happens to everybody. And in that moment of faltering, it's meant to reveal something to you, to me. It's a moment for self-examination. You don't know what you're made of or capable of until you're tested. You don't know what you've learned until the teacher says, put your books up, we got a quiz. Then we'll find out, right? Well, sure. So Proverbs 24, verse 16 says, for the righteous man falls seven times, but rises again. Focus on that rising again. There's not a person in this room or watching online who will not at times trip, fall over, or fail, or lose. There will be multiple times in our lives when we have setbacks, okay? If you don't think so, you'll think life is over. Why go on? And worse, you'll find somebody else to blame. How could this happen to me? Hey, in life, you will falter. You will have a failure. You will fall down. You will, on occasion, lose. And that'll happen to everybody. Maybe your child's on the wrong path and you're feeling like a failure as a parent. Hey, get back up. Keep on parenting. Keep on praying and believing God. They may change out there way out there. They may be 70 years old. And long after you leave earth, those prayers will still avail much for that child. You don't lay down and suck your thumb and call 911. You get back up. That's what God says. I'm, this is God's word, so I'm okay. See? The enemy wants you to stay down. 
Get down and stay down. You're no longer a threat if you do. I don't know about you, but I'd hate to give my life as a Christian to the Son of God and an eternal kingdom, and the devil says, oh, her, she's no threat. Oh, him, he's no threat. Remember the demons said, Jesus, we know. Paul, oh, yeah, we know him. Who are you? Is that what you want to hear? I want to be a, I got in this thing, okay? I signed up. I'm committed to follow Jesus. Not perfect, but to get back up. Following Jesus, doing the best I can, letting God help me, change me, transform me, but he's already saved me. That part's in the bag, but I, I want to I get better at what I do. And I'm hoping that you would too. So there's no getting out, get back up. Everybody gets kicked in the face, slapped, uh, betrayed, talked about, criticized, lose something. It'll happen to everybody. In this world, Jesus said, you'll have tribulation. Deal with it. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And if I promised you something, I'll perform it till the day of Jesus. Get back up. That's what he won't do for you. You have to do that. See? So I want you to be a threat to the enemy. I mean, when your eyes open in the morning, you want all hell to go on like, oh, my God, she's awake. Yeah. Get back up. And if you do, that breakthrough will ultimately come. <clears throat> Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? <clears throat> the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases power to the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. So if you're in a place this morning where you feel like, I got no strength, I've got no power, you are a perfect candidate for the creator who never gets tired to give you strength. He said that he would. Even young people get tired and discouraged, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, will soar like eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. So understand there are going to be times that you're going to falter. You're going to lose. You're going to have a setback. Something's not going to work out. But God says, get back up. Don't throw away your confidence because it holds a great reward. The writer of Hebrews chapter 10 says, don't throw away your confidence just because it didn't happen in 15 minutes. Don't throw that away. Persevere. Be resilient. Stay in the fight. It takes a long time for some things for God to work them out. Some, we like to hear about a short turnaround, but everybody doesn't get a short turnaround. Some take longer than others. I don't care long as it comes. I don't care. See, don't wait till trouble comes to find out how weak you are. Remember, if you faint in the time of trouble, God says, how small is your strength? So before trouble comes, do some things that make you sharp, prepared, so that when the unexpected comes, you don't panic. You're ready. Let me pause and say this. I just happened to have a flashback, but I remember flying out of Jacksonville, Florida to Savannah, Georgia, 
and Cindy was on the plane. Eight of us were on board, and I was pilot in command. And the right engine at 14,000 feet we were climbing blew up. I mean, that sucker just blew up a 12-inch hole in the side of that engine and oil streaming over the deal. Well, it got real quiet in the plane. I mean, there was freak-out panic in that plane. And I had to assure everybody, relax, I've got this. Now, why would I say that to calm the plane? Because I have rehearsed this over and over and over. And in every six months, more training, review, recertify, do the engine out, do loss of power, loss of electricity, all kinds of maneuvers with that plane, knowing it will fly on one engine. It ain't pretty, but it won't crash. And knowing that, there was no panic. I didn't know the engine was going to blow up, or I might have had second thoughts about getting on board. Hello. I didn't know when it would happen. Rick Poe is a captain with Delta Airlines on our security team here. He doesn't know what tomorrow can hold a bird striking. You don't know, but you're prepared. You're sharp. You're up to date on your training, and it, it, it hits you, but you're ready for it. You know what to do. That should be true in your spiritual life as well. Whether it's an illness, whether it's a financial attack, you're in shape, you're strong, you're sharp, you're prepared, you know what action to take, you don't fall apart, you don't panic, you don't scream, oh my God, I don't know what I'm, what if I'd have done that? <laughs> Y'all pray for me, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and that's where most Christians are. When the hell hits, when the storm hits, they fall apart. They're not sharp. You gotta, we're in training for reigning. Well, I don't care what your career is. Ecclesiastes puts it this way, chapter 10, verse 10. If the ax is dull and its edge unsharpened, you're gonna need a lot more strength. But skill will bring success. That means you sharpen what God's given you. What's your skill? What's your ability? What do you do well? Make it better. God gives it, but he expects you to sharpen it, develop it, train it, make it even better, improve it, get better at what you do. See, life gets easier when you sharpen yourself. So what dulls us? What are a couple of thoughts that cause us to lose our edge? I'll give you one. Not attending church. If you're a believer, that will dull your edge. Your spirit isn't exercised. And when trouble strikes, your spirit man is not prepared. It falters and you fall apart. It is important. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. God says, get in that corporate. You're going to hear praise and worship. You're going to offer the Lord praise. You're going to hear the word of God. You're going to meet somebody. You may help somebody. It's all in that weekly get-together, our catch-up together, sharpening our focus, renewing our strength, plugging in your iPhone spiritually to put a charge on that thing because all week it's been drained. And it helps you stay sharp and attuned. You'll walk out of here today with one of those Proverbs and maybe one point will be something you can add in your belt, your toolkit, to make you ready for the next emergency that may happen. Then not being in God's word. How can God guide you if you don't even know what he says? How can he encourage me and give me hope 
through my problem if I don't know what his word says. Psalms 119, verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I know what the boundaries are. I know how far to go. I know what the limits are. His word says. And when God says, I don't care what the culture says. I don't care what Washington passes some law that now legalizes something God says is wrong. For me, as a member of God's kingdom, it's off limits. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalms 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's going to guide you with his word, and he'll, you'll, you'll develop boundaries. Uh, the, the, it'll keep you on track. You, you won't go overboard. You won't fall off the cliff because that word is going to give you light and instruction and wisdom, and we all need that. And then how about no joy? Boy, that'll dull your edge. We greet people every morning coming in for different services, and it's amazing how people come in. And you say, good morning. God bless you. We're glad you're here. Hello. Morning. That's awful. That's terrible. No joy. You got a dull edge. And I'll tell you, nobody likes being around you. No, no. I want a happy face too. Sure. And I'll tell you, no joy makes life hard for you. It will. How about no Christian friends? You know, have you ever had a growth moment where God allowed you to think bigger and better about something? Like Peter, who had to change his thinking about the Gentiles. Paul had to rebuke him three times. He was still a bit Old Testament racist about his race versus the Gentiles. And Paul had to correct him on three occasions. That's one apostle correcting another apostle. They weren't enemies. He says, your thinking is wrong. And sometimes our, we get stinking thinking, right? And as a man thinks, so is he. And sometimes a good friend, a Christian brother, has wisdom in something and say, hey, Ed, you're out of line on that. That's not correct. And you, this, is, this is what God says. And if you're a follower of Jesus and it's a clear scripture, your first thought ought to be, I'm wrong. I repent. I'm wrong. And that's what Peter did, ultimately. It took him three times, but, you know, some of us are slow. That's okay. And then how about no vision? Talk about dulling your axe. No vision. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. Discipline does not come from law or rules. Discipline comes from vision. I mean, if you look at the athletic world, I'll do something if I want a gold medal, if I want a medal in the Olympics that I would not do normally. The vision of what I could possibly achieve pulls me through what I don't want to do. I want that chocolate cake. I want that sugar. I want to stay in bed. I don't want to, it's too cold to go run and train. Well, that vision will pull you out of that lethargy and put some discipline in you. Never, listen, even with kids, laws and rules will not produce discipline. You've got to give them a vision of why. What's the possible achievement of doing it? And it gives you a reason. I don't want to pay a divorce attorney. I don't I don't want to have to go to court and separate assets or whatever. That gives me vision to stay married and get along with Cindy. <laughs> well, that, whatever it takes. I mean, I, I'm, I'm too old for that nonsense. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, good. Thank you in the back, whoever you were. Thank you. Yeah, it's true. And boredom. There's another one that'll dull you. Boring people. 
Boredom will open up a world of temptation you cannot avoid. My grandmother used to say, Ricky, an idle mind is the devil's playground. You get too much time on your hands, it's dangerous. You'll get in trouble. You'll get me in trouble. No, no. I want to put my hand to the plow and keep moving. Discipline, vision, purpose, stay, with, stay in the ball game. I haven't got time. Suck my thumb and just dilly-dally around with nothing to do. That ain't going to happen. And it shouldn't happen for you because it'll make you dull and sloppy. Okay? So develop some healthy habits that refresh us. So what are some things that might sharpen us, <coughs> sharpen you? Number one, how about good friendships, right relationships or friendships? Proverbs 27, another proverb, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. I am a debtor to many friends in my life and career who have sharpened me. Good friends will keep you sharp. My wife, Cindy, has helped me immeasurably. Who's helping you? Right relationships will sharpen you. Paper won't sharpen iron. Find people in your life who are like iron. They are unimpressed with you and can speak to you and say, stop sucking your thumb. We're going to get through this. I know this hasn't worked yet, but we're not through. You're still breathing. Let's get back in the fight. I've done that a hundred times with people in this church who have hit the bottom. And you need, to, you need to hear it as well. You don't need to faint in the day of adversity. And you need some friends to help sharpen you and make you better. If their purpose is just to hurt you, to attack you, then that's not being a friend. A friend loves at all times, knows everything about you, loves you anyway. But they're going to try to say, hey, let me tell you, you need to smile more or you need to stop being so negative or you need, to, you need to quote more scripture against this problem and quit listening to the economics on the television and get under the economic promises of God's kingdom. You're a part of another kingdom. Mr. Biden or whoever else becomes president or whatever administration takes over or controls the house has effects on the natural unsaved man in businesses. I'm aware of that. But it doesn't affect my relationship with God or his promise to me. And that promise is infallible, immutable, eternal. So where's your trust? In Washington? Good luck. No, mine's in the kingdom. If God makes me a promise, I take it to the bank. And I stay with it till it comes true. That's just that simple. Don't let your kids quit. I'll tell you something else. Make them finish the game they started. If they started to put a model together, you ain't getting off that floor till you finish, or the table till you finish that model. Finish what you start. Or they won't finish a job, they won't finish a marriage, they won't finish a career, they just quit anytime it gets hard. No, no, you started it, baby, you stay with it. You said you'd go to that class for four weeks or six weeks, you're going. We did 13 weeks of marriage ministry international years and years ago. I didn't want to go to one week. I went 13 weeks. And I needed lots of encouragement to go. But I went. And it was good for me. And I'm just saying, you, you, if you make a commitment, you keep it. It ain't about how you feel. You made a commitment. Well, I, I'll shut up. You made a commitment. Keep your word. If you, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. God said that. 
Right. But you know, people used in the 40s could borrow money at a bank with a handshake. <laughs> Try that now. It, you don't even have a guarantee with four corporate lawyers. That's how bad it is. Nobody keeps their word. But if you, take to, if you give your word, you keep your word. Jesus didn't give us the word maybe. It's yes or no. I'm in, I'm out. I'm committed, I'm not. It's that simple. And then accountability will sharpen your edge. You can have the right friends, but are you accountable? Or do you just blow off what they say that tries to help you? Do you have people in your life who can spot blind spots or weaknesses in you you didn't know you had that will sharpen you, see? And that won't be but a couple of people, believe me. Uh, only a few people get an all-access pass to your life, just a few. And don't be denying the fact that you have a problem. My grandfather, Luke Godwin, used to say to me, Ricky, if three people call you a jackass, you buy a saddle. <laughs> They're not all wrong. But you get it. But, but, but today, well, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with alcohol. I don't have a problem with this or whatever. And I'm saying denial is not a river in Egypt. That's, you got that? The AA will teach you that. Denial. No, no, no. If your best friends say you got a problem, just hit the floor and say, I got a problem. Okay, I don't see it. I don't feel it. Maybe I don't agree with you, but you guys have loved me. You're my friends for so long. I'm going to take that by faith. God loves that. Take it by faith because you do have a problem. Okay. Where'd everybody go? <laughs> so we're all going to falter. We're all going to lose sometimes. We're all going to fail. The righteous man falls or fails seven times, but he rises again. So get this down. Put it on your refrigerator. Trouble is coming. What Rick teach today? Oh, trouble is coming. James 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Oh, that is not on most refrigerators. Can I say something? If you're alive and breathing, trouble is coming. Job 5, verse 7. For man is born for trouble just as sparks fly up, and sparks do fly up. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. See, when I see my close friend, go through hardship or adversity, whether it's health or marriage or children or career, I feel like I'm born for this moment in my friend's hard times. Are you that kind of a brother born for adversity with your brother? Adversity introduces you to yourself. Now you find out what manner of man or woman you really are. Psalms 34, 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them and delivers them from all their trouble. So trouble is inevitable for all of us. Verse 18 says, The Lord is near to them with a broken heart and saves or delivers such as be of a contrite heart. Verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the right. By the way, many. I'm bilingual. Mucho. Mucho. Mucho are the afflictions of the right. You get that? Many. Nobody gets a pass. Many are the afflictions of the Just get married and have kids alone. You'll fulfill that. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. I got a 
personal good friend for 35 years or more going through a horrific uh, struggle in his homeland. It's life-changing. But I text regularly. I pray for him every day. And I said, I am with you regardless of the outcome. That's what a brother born for adversity will do. Are you that kind of a person? Have you had someone do that for you? Well, be that kind of a person. See, if you fail or falter in the day of adversity, how small is your strength? So that's a good question. How small is your strength? Now, we're not talking about physical strength, bench pressing, but how small is my strength in the Lord? Physical strength has value. Paul said so to Timothy in chapter 4, uh, verse 8, I think, in 1 Timothy. But how small is your strength in the Lord? You know, too many Christians give up too quick. They lose heart on God. They lose heart on church. They lose heart on the business. They lose heart on their marriage. But no matter where you go, there you are. You can move to Florida. You can get a new wife. You can get a new church. But you are still going to be there. And if you don't get fixed, nothing's going to change except the geography. See, how small is your strength? Escape is never the answer. Get up. Sharpen yourself. If you fall six times, get up. Sparky, seven. Man up. But get up. He rises again, Scripture says. If you want to measure your strength in the Lord, how strong are your convictions? How non-negotiable are your convictions? The three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were in a pagan country, and they were serving well a pagan king, and they weren't asked to do anything illegally or unscriptural until the king said, you bow down to my golden idol or I'll fricassee you in the fiery furnace. And those three Hebrew boys refused to bend, to bow, and God delivered them from burning. God delivered them in the fire. Now, this is a personal note. I like being delivered out of the fire. How about you? Hello. But sometimes God chooses to deliver us in the fire. Daniel refused to stop praying. And as a result, they had a law to put them in the lion's den. Here's another case where God didn't deliver Daniel out of the lion's den. He delivered him in it. And Daniel said, I'll die, but this is a non-negotiable. Esther, who was a little uh, Hebrew maiden taken into a, a harem. It's like sex trafficking back then. They, they took all these women in their harems from captive nations, and, and the guy had picked her out in a beauty contest, and she was told by Mordecai, her uncle, hey, the king has passed a law to kill all the Hebrews, take out, wipe out a whole nation, exterminators. Our only hope is the king to change the law. Now, he's kind of fond of you, Esther. You got his attention. I don't want you to go in there with a Bible study. I want you to go in there full makeup, lipstick, evening in Jerusalem, perfume. You put something on. Girl, I want you to knock him out. He's already infatuated with you. Make his heart stop. Make him stop breathing. Go in before the king to petition him to 
changed that law. And she said, by the law of this land, if I go into the king and he hasn't summoned me, I can die. Wow, that's a good way to have a marriage, isn't it? No, honey, I did not summon you. I mean, to get a picture of this. And that little beautiful girl says, if I perish, I perish. I'm going in at the risk of her life. Those are non-negotiables. You see that? She, she had everything to live for, and she decides, I'll do it to save a nation. What are your non-negotiables? That's where your strength is. Nehemiah 8, verse 10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Have you got some joy, a smile on your face? Psalm 1611, in his presence is fullness of joy. Maybe some people need to get back in the presence of God to get some joy. I can't imagine living with no joy. I want to be around an unhappy person, a mean old frown, sourpuss, never, never upbeat, never smile. You know, you can make yourself smile. You can actually do that. We don't measure strength by size of muscles or uh, how authoritative a voice is. We measure it by the strength of their convictions and by the joy of the Lord in their life. Hebrews 10, verse 38 but my righteous one will live by faith. And I, God, take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. I told you there would be trouble. You will have trouble. I will have trouble. Well, I'm, I'm a person of faith, Rick. Me too. But faith is not denial. Faith is getting up when you've been knocked down. The fight's not over, see, if you get back up. So what are you shrinking back from? God says he takes no pleasure in the shrinking back. But Rick, Things are hard. Tell me something I don't know. There's inflation, rising costs. I can't afford to support God's house. God says, I take no pleasure in the one who draws back or shrinks back. Say, this is a good time to step up. Step up in your giving, your time, your talent, your treasure. God is my provider. I'm trusting him to supply all my needs. I'm not waiting on Biden to do it or a Trump or anybody else or Ron from Florida, whoever runs, whatever. My, I've got a, a promise much higher than their authority. The King of kings and the Lord of lords has promised to supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Not according to the NASDAQ, not according to the Dow, not according to the stock market, but he, God, will supply all my needs. And if ever there's a time to sow, it is in a hard time in Jesus' name. Isaac sowed in a famine and reaped the hundredfold, and God blessed him and increased his wealth so much so the Philistines envied him. When things get hard, get harder, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Shrinking back in your marriage, shrinking back fighting for your business. Verse 39, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are delivered. Paul put it this way in Philippians 3, verse 13. Brothers, I don't count myself to have made it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In Psalm 16, verse 11, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So 
our scripture says, if we faint in the day of adversity, then how small is our strength? So we don't back down. We get up. We keep moving. We keep moving forward. Maybe it's slow, but you're moving. You're moving forward. Though the righteous man falls seven times, he will rise again. So get up, get up, get up. I got a little video clip here just to illustrate tangibly how life is a one step forward and two back. And one step back, you keep moving up. Just take a look. Just a little simple. Ain't it the truth? Uh, back up. Get back up. There he goes. Okay. You get a little idea, just something to put your focus on to say everybody has those setbacks, but the guys who win overcome them. See, we are born again for hard times. We are, and these are hard times. This is your moment to shine. This is our best moment, our finest hour. You got to believe God is with you in the fire and in the water. He says you won't drown. In the fire, you won't get burned. Get up so you not knocked down, so someone betrayed you. So you had a setback in business. God hasn't quit. He's still king of this universe. He's got all power and might. Get back up again in the name of Jesus. I told you about a CEO that owns thousands of these nursing homes. And on a flight, I asked him, how do you know when somebody's going to die? He said, that's easy. Are you listening? That's easy, he said. When they fall and can't get back up. Then they go in lethargy, they don't eat, their muscles don't work, they just lay in bed, and you can see it coming. They're going to die. Can you get back up after a fall? Maybe it was sin, maybe it was something somebody else did to you, maybe it was the result of the economy or circumstances beyond your control. I don't care what it was. Get, maybe you went through a divorce. Well, that's not, that's not the end of the world. Holy cow, get back up again. Even God had a divorce. He divorced Israel and gave her a bill of putting her away in, in Jeremiah 3, verse 8. God didn't go anywhere. You don't need to go anywhere. Don't quit on yourself and get ugly. Let yourself go. Mourn, and all you want to talk about to your friends is how bad it is and what someone did to you. Everybody's had a somebody done me wrong song. Everybody. You're not special. Everybody's had that. But I'm saying, what's the difference? I'm not going to let my adversary or circumstances push me to the ground and keep me there. I will get back up. I will have good Christian friends. I know God's word. I will quote, I will swing it like a sword. That's the only attack weapon you have is God's word, the sword of the Lord, the word of God. Everything else is a defensive armament, but that sword is like, a 30 six. That's the, that's the only attack weapon I've got. And I'm going to use it when I get a, a setback in order to facilitate a comeback. Right? Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting summitsa.com.